everybody, and welcome to episode of Mastication Nation, the podcast that doesn't believe in linear time progression. <laughs> so there's an explanation for this. We're doing two P episodes because it's such a great, such a great letter, and also because of a slight scheduling snafu. We had a, we ha- we still have a great episode lined up. We still have a great guest lined up, but we weren't able to align our recording of the boring bit that Will and I do with the exciting bit that our guest uh, in the next P episode will provide. So we thought, well, we can't wait until the end of this month because it's been. How many weeks? Yeah, we, we, we promised everyone after the last episode, like, oh, yeah, we got so many episodes lined up to knock out. And then this kind of happened. So in the sake of, of keeping things fresh, you're getting a double dose of pee. Double. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so this is going to be a good episode. It's going to be a fun episode. Uh, we will. I don't even know what order we're going to. Re- I think this one's going to be first. So there may be a few non sequiturs in the other episode, but. But don't worry about that. And the good news is we have a guest for that episode and we have a guest for this episode. And this it's amazing to me that it's taken us this long to get this guy on the show. But it we always talk about him. I think we've talked about him in every single episode. No, it's not Greg Barnes, but it's our other brother, Andrew. Andrew, welcome. You finally got me. Yeah, yeah, we finally got you. I'm delighted to be on the show. I listen to uh, the show all the time. I think I've, I think I've caught every episode and uh, excited. It's a wonder of you to, to to lie like that, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the show. We we will we'll do our normal format, but we'll uh, we'll have a third voice. Uh, actually, the only other time we've had a guest was with Paul, and that was a hugely fun and popular episode. So I, I'm I'm looking forward to this because it means that everybody doesn't have to just listen to me and Will for an hour. And for all the people that complain that they can't tell the difference between Alex and I's voice, Andrew's voice is very easy to tell the difference. He's the English one. Yeah. Um, that's a long story, which we won't go into. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew's adopted. <laughs> <laughs> we are, we'll, we'll dive into the subject for this episode, uh, P, in a second. But um, we have had an interesting uh, few few weeks of travel, or at least I have. I don't know about you guys, if you've, if you've been anywhere, but... Um, one of the things that I was most excited about was I did go to Scotland and we've been talking about Scottish tablet for like three episodes now. I don't even remember. How did it even the episode come up? That, the episode that's not even out yet has a lot about of back and forth in it about like tablet. So it, it'll make sense. It's kind of like um, Bruce Willis and Looper. It all comes out in the wash. But why but, did we uh, start talking about it in the first place? Because... Was it Ross? Was it Ross who said that it was the best thing he'd eaten? He ate that. Yeah, that was like like three episodes ago. Andrew, do you know what tablet is? No. I'd never heard of it either until Ross Manson, at Manson44 on Twitter, who is a regular listener, said it was the best thing he'd ate all summer was tablet ice cream. Ross, I assume you're Scottish because you're the one that throws all these Scottish train wrecks at us when it comes to food, deep fried pizza and all that. Tablet is basically, it's like British fudge, but much more brittle same color alex is holding up a bar yeah i'm holding up a bar showing the guys on the camera and he described it and and it sounded good because it's basically just the first ingredient listed is sugar so you know that's good the next is condensed milk and then it's just milk and then fat (laughs) lovely Uh, and a little bit of milk i said that if i was ever in scotland i would try and get some and try it and i have it and i because i was in glasgow for six hours i was in paisley where our grandfather is from to which my uh, the people that I was speaking to were horrified to find out. But I'm going to try it because I'm I'm fascinated in this. So this is a, a little experiment. Hang on. Could this be the favorite your favorite thing you've eaten? Yeah, I'll have to throw all my notes away. It's uh, it's it's a little bit like consistency of posh soap. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't eaten it yet. I'm just telling you what it feels like in my hands. It smells like English fudge, and it tastes like diabetes. <laughs> it's like it's like melty shortbread in your mouth that so, sort of crumbly text, texture uh, it yeah like. it almost dissolves okay I can see how this would be really really good in ice cream so the the bar that I have is 95 grams and the the total calories for this package is 418 <laughs> <laughs> 
but I can got to get through those long Scottish winters. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, it. Without your feet falling off. But this is, um, yeah, it's good. It's really good. I can imagine how it would be amazing in ice cream. So there we are. Ross, thank you for turning us on to that. I'm going to go buy some ice cream and smash it into it. I don't know if it's the best thing I've eaten since we last recorded. Andrew, what's, this is a, a, a staple of the show. Apparently, it's the thing that people like the most about the whole show. We think about the best thing. Usually, it's w- what Will cooked. I think we should call the segment, what did Alex eat and what did Will cook? Have you have you eaten anything uh, in your gallivanting that uh, has, has stood out for you in the last few weeks or months or ever? Yes. Actually, it was today. Ah. So, because it's October and because... We're in the UK, or at least you and I are. It's roast season. And I had a roast chicken with roast potatoes and carrots and peas and gravy and stuffing, the whole the whole shebang. And uh, it was absolutely delicious. And I've got a bit of a food coma on right now, but it was it was great. Did uh, you make it? No, Emily made it, so my wife made it. Oh you also it was homemade even better. Yeah. Even better. Well, yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't a pub a pub one, which is still good, but like you can't be the home roast chicken. Yeah, and there's something about British culture which is which means that you can't have a roast between sort of May first and September thirtieth, or at least until the weather gets below fifteen degrees Celsius. But it was delicious, and I miss it. And I, you know, I was I think next next weekend it's going to be pigs and blankets as well. I, a lot of people save oh, them till nice. Christmas, but I just love. Nice chip, nice well, chipolata wrapped but, bacon. But well, that's the thing. We had we had this conversation during our holiday. Sorry, guys. <laughs> what was that? Something terrible is happening in Will's house. <laughs> oh dear God! Sounded like a pol- poltergeist. <laughs> um, but during our holiday food episode, we talked about pigs and blanket and how uh, Alex and I just gave it as as gospel that it was sausage, it was, uh, you know, sausage wrapped in bacon. But in in North America, it's not that at all. It's what do we call them? It's, oh, like, it's like a uh, corn dog or something, isn't it? Yeah. No, no, no. It's like mini, mini um... sausage rolls. Yeah, yeah, yeah with with crescent rolls. Yeah, it, it's that. Yeah, it's the Pillsbury crescent roll thing. We um we kind of eschewed that tradition. We have roasts all the time, but I think we didn't in the summer in California because I think it's too hot. And I bet you with the summer that you've had, no one wanted to sit inside their kitchen for three hours preparing a roast when it's unbelievably hot. So yeah, I'm happy that roast season is back as well. But I think a pub a pub roast is pretty good, although the pubs around us have, have they've tried to fancify it, and I think that's a mistake. Fafify. Fafify, yeah. Yes. Stick yeah, with so. the stick with the basics. Sticks with yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's 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 true. Well, what have you uh, eaten? Uh, to 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 not mess with uh, tradition, it was something I made. Um <laughs> I I'm I I was I was at a loss and I I all I had some veg in the house, but I just ran and grabbed some chicken, cut it up into some uh, chunks, throw um what did I do? I marinated it in turmeric, uh fish sauce, soy sauce, chili sauce sweet chili sauce, le- lime juice, and then cumin and garlic. And then marinated it in that, and then some fresh cilantro, and then on a ripping hot grill. And then I've done this thing called – do you know what uh, reverse marinating is? Okay, so marinating is great, but it only can go penetrate a small amount because it's meat. But when you cook on the grill, you're breaking down the, the uh, fibers of the meat. And so what you can do is you can marinate with the leftover reserved marinade. What I, I, I throw it on the grill, try to get as much char on it as possible for about three-quarters of the cooking time, then throw it back into the marinade. And then tossed it. And so basically the marinade can get further into the meat because the meat fibers have been damaged. Then throw them back onto the grill for the last, you know, three to four minutes to really char up again. But it gets the flavor deeper. And I posted the photo online on Instagram of my turmeric, uh, spelt wrong, um, sweet chili chicken. And it was just, it was perfect. It was the right balance of sweet and tart and unctuousness. Nice. It sounds complicated. Eh, It's not that bad. Was that the thing, the orange thing? The orange thing, yes. <laughs> that would be what the turmeric does. Ah, okay. Yeah, it, it looked really good. It looked really good. Um, by yourself? Are you going to be uh, something? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, let me in, Will. <laughs> uh, so you, yeah. What, what was the best thing you've eaten since we last recorded? 
Uh, well, it's only been a week since we last recorded, weirdly enough, even though you guys haven't heard the manifestation of that session. Uh, I, I went to Glasgow, as I mentioned, but very briefly, shan't comment on the food. Uh, the, but then I went to Zurich, where I'd never have, have never been to before. Have you, either of you guys been to Zurich? No. Uh, I was there filming with Sir Greg Barnes, and uh, I had two amazing things there. The first was we met up with a friend uh, uh, of Paul, uh, Paul Papadimitriou, another um, Swiss expat, uh, Rico, if you're there and you're listening, which I don't know if you do, thank you for your time. He took us to this institution, uh, not an actual institution, but a, a Swiss inst- or Zurich institution called Sterningrill, which I would have walked right past. Like we did actually walk right past it four or five times. It looks totally benign and innocuous. And it's actually one of the most beloved restaurants in all of Zurich because it serves like the perfect pre-match, pre-session, post-session food in the entire world. It's bratwurst, but Zurich-style veal bratwurst. So it's 50% veal, 50% other. could be pork or beef. And it's heresy to eat it with mustard outside of Zurich. But in Zurich, as a big... um, F you to the people that actually make the sausage, which is in St. Gallen, which is about 100 kilometers away. They eat it not just with with mustard, but with mind-alteringly spicy mustard. And it was absolutely it – was, it's basically the equivalent of putting ketchup on a New York hot dog. That's how much of a, a crime they perceive it as. But it was bloody delicious. You kind of stand up. They have these tables outside. They brew their own beer. It was really, really good. But the other one which we had, which everybody said, you know, Zurich, Zurich is – is not huge for a big for a, for a city, but they do have this dish which is pretty much unpronounceable. I'm going to try it. It is called Zurich Schnatzletze. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> pretty sh- pretty sure I nailed that. Zurich Schnatzletze. Paul Rico, help me out if I pronounced that incorrectly. But it's basically sliced veal in white wine, cream, and demi glace with veal kidney and mushrooms in the sauce itself. And then it's served alongside a, a potato rusty, and it was absolutely divine. That I think I've had that before, and I don't know why, but I feel like it's something I may have had somewhere or something very, very similar to that. The kidneys in the sauce sounds very familiar, and I don't know where I had that. That just adds a little bit of... Um, I keep saying that word, uh, umami. Uh, umami, yeah, and it, it was... It was it was so good, and it's one of those like classic winter comfort foods. Greg just had a rosti, which comes served with Andrew. What's that stinky cheese that you like? Comte, yeah, yeah. Melted that and uh, and basically um, fondue cheese with a fried egg on top. Nice. Yeah, it, it was really really good. So that was easily the best thing I've I've eaten in the last week since we last recorded. But just as importantly, well. Yes. What are you drinking to take your to take the the nerves off? <laughs> the banging. The banging. <laughs> we can't uh, hear any banging. It's just in your mind. <laughs> uh, I'm drinking uh, Asahi Select, which is uh, an amber, an amber from the Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm drinking uh, Asahi Select from the lovely Japanese beer makers. Uh, it is their Amber Lager. Uh, I'd never had I've it before. Yeah, let me hold it up. Nice. Cool, cool it's label. Not, it's not great. It's okay. I've had much better Ambers before. Well, maybe my, my, my flavor like profile's changing, but it's okay. I don't know why, but every time I've opened the bottle, it has... Um, erupted on me not in like a a explosion of high pressure but more of a slow burning you know inch by inch overflow of foam so maybe it's got something to do with it not being great maybe it's a little old really selling this beer but um it's it's fine it's great it's it's what was in the house well it is well no it's 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 socially acceptable to be drinking now it's just it's 12 22 12 22 on a sunday that's fine. fine It's fine. Andrew, are you partaking in our little tradition? I am. Yeah, I'm drinking red wine. Uh, it's a South African Pinotage, mm. which has become, I guess, South Africa's signature red wine. I think, and I, I don't think you can find it anywhere else. I think it's just there. It tastes a bit like Shiraz to me, uh, but it's lovely. Nice. I am drinking also red wine. I'm drinking a Fleury, which I didn't know this, but is a... 
Beaujolais crew, crew. It's fine. It's it's fine. I got it at Waitrose. <laughs> it's quite light, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's very French. It tastes what you would imagine a French table wine to taste like. So it's um, dangerously easy to drink. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is yeah. This is why I think Will's predicament is so funny. Perhaps. <laughs> all right if, if, if none of this comes across in the edit everyone's gonna be like what the, the hell are they <laughs> no i will i will add banging back in if that's the case <laughs> but I, th- I i assure you if if i can hear it and andrew can hear it the microphone that means the microphone can hear it okay and that that makes it funny but p the redux or the prequel i guess this is because this will come out before the sequel thereby making it a prequel this never came up in the suggestions for P. It never even crossed my mind. I don't even know why we glossed over it so easily because I eat several gallons of it a month and I actually drive for an hour each way to get my preferred version varietal, if you will, of this. It's creamy and salty and sweet and is a staple of every child's slash man child's diet. It is also the most common flavor on the planet. That people like the most consumed flavor on the planet. Oh my god! Really? I didn't yeah. know that. Yep, it's the most. the 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 language I found and it's a bit spurious was it is the most popular flavor on the planet. Flavor of what? Just flavor of a flavor of a food. It's the 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 base ingredient of this is the most popular. Oh flavor on earth okay i believe it well it's peanut butter <laughs> yeah peanut butter not peanuts not peanut oil peanut butter god's wonderful creamy goodness and vegan friendly is it yeah why what what's in there where you think that it wouldn't be vegan it's we'll get onto that but it's it's basically two ingredients and one of them comes from uh, three ingredients but one of them comes from the two of them come from the same thing so it is uh vegan friendly it is uh gluten free it is uh yeah but i hate that shit because so is water <laughs> i know i know like, i'm going to annoy you <laughs> my tv is gluten free and vegan friendly everything is everything that's not isn't you know it doesn't make any sense to say it like that so you've done your job. You've pissed me off. <laughs> <laughs> you both eat peanut butter? Love it. I can eat I can eat it and eat it and eat it. And I, and, and as a as as a kid I used to eat it just straight from the jar, big tablespoon into the mouth. That's it's just the greatest stuff in the world. <laughs> oh, we picked you for the right episode then. <laughs> wow. I don't I don't eat peanut butter sandwiches as much as probably I used to. Uh, I think that is a bit weird if you see a 32-year-old man eating a peanut butter sandwich. No, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> but I eat peanut butter in a lot of things. Um, we'll get into whether it's better in savory or sweet applications uh, in due course. But uh, yeah, I mean, happy to dive into the, the, the background, the basics, the history of it all. Uh, unless you guys have any stabs in the darks. I know that there's well, a lot of misinformation is- on this one. It is a quintessentially American thing, or at least no, you're well, wrong. see, that's what I'm that's what I'm getting at. Is it because it, it it's such an American or Americana staple peanut butter? I think it's because of its of its sale uh, cellmate jelly or jam, but we can get into that later. So it's not American. Well, we'll back up a little bit and just do like you know two minutes on on peanuts themselves because without that you can't really have peanut butter. So a peanut is not a nut. It's a it's a legume, which is a, like a pea or a bean. They are actually the fruit of the plant, the peanut. Uh, and they have this weird defense mechanism that when the flowers blossom and, and pollinate, uh, the fruits then dive into the soil. And when you've, you've ever seen a peanut plant, all you see is the, the, the leaves. And you lift them up and then you see all the peanuts actually buried themselves into the, into the soil. And so some people thought they were like the roots or like these nodes, but they're not. They're just stick their heads down and they sound like uh like ostriches but um the peanut originated in south america the incas and the aztecs had been doing some variety of peanut paste for literally a thousand years um but we're not going to classify that as peanut butter the peanut then moved to africa which i always associated um peanuts with africa um you know peanut stew and they do it in a lot of their cooking and their um ritual stuff as far as like um makeup and 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 face like uh face creams and stuff like that yeah, well, I mean, this is old. It's like three, three, four hundred years ago, and then it made its way back to the New World with the slave trade. So the Africans brought it back to the New World um, after the Portuguese had introduced it from South America. 
took up this massive sort of Atlantic uh, circle. Um, but you know the word, the, what is another famous word for a peanut? It's also an insult. Goober. Yes. And that word comes from the Bantu language, and it's spelled nguba, which is N-G-U-B-A. And that's where we get the word for uh, goober, which is as common as peanut in some areas of America, like definitely the South. Yeah, it's also um, the name of someone from Georgia or Arkansas. But it's also pretty offensive. Yes, exactly. It's like saying hillbilly or, y- or yokel. Um, but no, but no, no, because it's much more. It's much more um, positive than that. Uh, yeah, what's, yeah, endearing is the word. That's the word. Endearing, yes. Um, but the, I mean, the U.S. They, they, well before peanut butter came on the on the market, peanuts had been associated with just eating them roasted in the shell for going on 150 years now. Uh, P.T. Barnum of the famous circus was selling them in 1870 uh, at his circus. Um, but it really came about that the idea of peanut butter, so this idea about was it uh, George Washington Carver, who I'll talk about a little bit more, was it John Harvey Kellogg of, of Kellogg fame, uh, was it this, uh, there's this, this St. Louis doctor, was it him? Nope. According to the Peanut Board of America. We cannot get any more official than that. It was Marcellus Gilmore Edison, Edison, sorry, of Montreal, Canada. Oh, he was the first no, one. Not. Yeah, in 1884, he patented the pe- the first one to patent the peanut paste, uh, the finished product from milling roasting peanuts between two heated surfaces. Oh, so Canadians. it's Canadian. Those Canadians. Yeah, it was invented as a as a and this is a running theme that basically peanut butter was originally invented as a health food, um, and so Edison, you know, basically came up with this idea for um, high protein snack that was good for people who couldn't really chew that well. Um, dental hygiene in those areas meant a lot of people didn't have great teeth, so it was a Canadian invention uh, in 1884. But in 1895, as I mentioned, Dr. Harvey, uh, John Harvey Kellogg of the Battle Creek Sanitarium, who then went on with his brother to invent the, the whole Kellogg's cornflakes and the, the whole movement from there. You know that uh, he was absolutely certifiably bonkers. Oh, yeah. He, uh, when you arrived, you had, uh, you had an enema, um, a yogurt one and a water one. Yep. So that's, that's fun. Uh, he, he was also, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. Gross. Yeah. You got to make sure you get those right because uh, yeah. you don't want that for breakfast. He was one of the first people to figure out this thing about um, intestinal flora, or at least he thought he did, except he thought it was a bad thing. And so he would wanted to flush the intestinal flora out, which obviously is a bad thing. He was, he was also, and I love this, this is one of my favorite lines in any uh, Wikipedia article. Um, he was one of the leader of the anti-masturbation movement. Mm-hmm. Um who knew that he there was that such colleagues, a... Yeah, he thought that the cornflakes would help... Um, or high, high fiber diets would help with that. Yes, would, would suppress the urges. He was also a big believer in eugenics uh, in, and racial segregation. He founded the Race Betterment Foundation, which uh, believed that immigrants and non-whites damaged the gene pool. So he was a pretty disgusting human being, <laughs> So, uh, despite you, his culinary contributions. Cornflakes, who gives, gives a shit about cornflakes? You know Johnny Vegas, the stand-up? So he was on an episode of QI, and they were talking about um, the the Kellogg family. And they were like, why did he invent Kellogg's? Uh, why did he invent cornflakes? And then Johnny Vegas was being Johnny Vegas said, stop masturbation. And he was like, that actually is the answer. And he just loses his mind saying he wrote that answer on all of his exam papers. And that finally came to be the right answer. <laughs> but what Johnny Vegas thought was that he made gloves out of them. because <laughs> Or put them into the mattresses so you couldn't hear anything. Uh, but yeah, the the the, the Kellogg's were a, a a bit mental. But a lot of people, even the Kellogg company, for a while was trying to say that they were the ones who invented peanut butter. That's quite a spurious claim because the 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 legend always had it that it was George Washington Carver who invented yes. peanut butter. Yeah, and for those who don't know who George Washington Carver was, in some circles he's he he from for he's as important to the the African American movement as Martin Luther King was he uh invented you know a number of different um farming techniques and practices that basically saved the south and yeah, he was the one that convinced the plantation farmers were going to destroy a lot of their peanut crops and he was the one that convinced them not to do it 
Well, there was a, uh, a horrific, uh, devastation, devastating weevil infestation of their cotton plantations in the South in 1910. And he basically doubled down and, for, and asked them to, to plant, uh, peanuts instead to basically, because it was, it was impervious to this weevil infestation. This is before he wrote his treatise, How to Grow the Peanut and 105 Ways of Preparing It for Human Consumption, which included things that were associated with him, like, you know, uh, just roasting peanuts and, and peanut meal and peanut oil and all those fun stuff, but also peanut shampoo and peanut face creams and, like, peanut dyes. And he was just this incredible inventor, um, but he was not the inventor of peanut butter because he was doing most of this in the early 1900s. And um, the as, as we've talked about in many other episodes, World's Fairs are what really kicked these things off. And in 19, 1903, Dr. Ambrose Straub of St. Louis, Missouri, patented the first peanut butter-making machine. And in 1904, the World's Fair, C.H. Sumner, introduced the concept of mass-produced peanut butter to the public. Before that, it had been this specialized health food in like the sanatoriums or these other um, institutions. But for it to be like a mass-produced product, 1904, which is well before uh, George Washington Carver was proponing it. That's pretty crazy. It feels like a much older invention than just over 100 years. Yeah, and I'm sure if we went to Central and South America, they'd be like, guys, we've been doing it for a thousand years, but, you know, the Aztecs and the and the, and the Incas never get, get the kudos they deserve. Well, there you well, go. there you go. That, that's Pot, the history. Potted history of yeah. peanut butter. But what is it? Peanuts in, in, in liquid form. Peanuts and salt, right? Peanuts and salt, yeah, basically. Not sh- not sugar as well? Like most peanut butter I have has got... So, you, what do you mean? I'm, I'm assuming that A, you want your peanut butter to... Be stable for more than about a week, and B, you don't make it sound it. like it's going to blow up. <laughs> <laughs> it does turn into liquid, uh, you know, uh, what is it? A plastic explosive if you don't take care of it. No, <laughs> cool. Um, it's high in fat content, so it's not stable. And so they use in mass-produced versions, they use stabilizers and emulsifiers, fires, and sugar also helps with the consistency. Um, but yeah, I mean, what kind of what kind of peanut butter are you eating, Andrew? So we have a. A healthy organic one in my house at the moment. I'm not too happy with it. It's made by a company called Whole Earth. Oh yeah, you may have come across them, and it has. I mean, it's peanut paste with flaxseed, pumpkin seed, and all Ooh. sorts of other buzzword food. Is that for health, or is there a is there a um, taste component, or is there a consistency? How does it? I think it's a bit of both. So the consistency is is as you would find any normal peanut butter, crunchy style. There's no added sugar, so it misses that. What what the sun pats and the skippies give you is that that sugar rush in addition to the fat, protein, saltiness. Um, you may correct me, but I'm pretty sure those are loaded with sugar, aren't they? Oh, yeah. 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 So skippy, which is my absolute favorite. We'll get it out of the way now. Skippy extra crunchy peanut butter is the greatest thing that's ever been created. <laughs> which I is ab- the original. Uh, it's the one that's the oldest that still exists. Skippy is. Uh, yeah, I, I absolutely love it. Smooth, it's kind of a bit too artificial for me. Having the the chunks of peanuts in it is just, and which my wife hates, which means I get a jar to myself. Alex, you're falling into some very um, archetype gender roles right now. So, sixty uh, percent of, me- of of women and children prefer uh, smooth, whilst seventy uh, percent of men uh, prefer crunchy. What does your dog like, Will? Because my dog goes nuts for peanut butter. Does Murray like it as well? Murray, Murray, Murray will eat absolutely anything because he's a golden retriever. But um, we usually have – what's the one with the blue top? Is that Skippy? Skippy. Yeah, we have Skippy in the house. And it's not – and it's usually uh, the smoother variety. Because Kate, uh, my wife, often – and we'll get onto this, I'm sure – gets a dollop – if I'm making stir fry, she'll make it – get a grab a dollop of it and then throw it in there as well or and make her own, you know, hot – stuff there's also a company called b uh, p2 which is like dehydrated uh peanut butter which i just think is just non you know liquefied peanut butter so it's the dry stages of it which you can add in to make your own almost like mustard which is pretty good the dog thing is interesting because i think my in-law's dog absolutely loves peanut butter as well and they have this kind of contraption that they there's like a it's like a dog toy where they made by kong 
Yeah, they put the peanut butter in it, and then the dog, like, it's a sort of a a dexterity exercise to extract said peanut butter. But she absolutely friggin' loves it as well. Yeah, we do that as well. I think, I I think it's a a combination of things. I'm sure it's just, it's very, very tasty and it's full of all the stuff that a dog wants. Yeah. Um, But I also think it's, it's quite fun for a dog to eat because it's sticky and chewy and it's, and it stays around for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. It's salty and sweet at the same time, I think. And that's, that for me is, is what makes great peanut butter. It's, yeah, at as pure as form, it's it's peanuts, and you know you don't need to add any oil technically because when you roast peanuts, they give off a bunch of oil as it is. So you you don't have to add a bunch of oil, but a lot of the times it it is added as Will said for stabilizing and also for the consistency, the texture. Some of these old natural ones, and I don't know if this is what you experienced with yours, Andrew, when they don't add hydrogenated vegetable oil, which can either be cottonseed or soybean or rapeseed or a bunch of other ones, it tends to be quite gritty. Gritty and dry. And yeah, it, takes yeah. a, it takes a while to get through. You've got to chew it. And know, so the, the reason why they don't add those and the reason why some of the skippies of the world and GIFs and, and those types and some of actually like Sunpat as well here in the UK, the reason why they get guff from health dorks is because you know, don't get me wrong, I'm all for eating healthy, is because that's what's, you know, the hydrogenated vegetable oil isn't necessarily bad for you if you drink it with your morning coffee. When it's added to something for consistency or texture, there's nothing wrong with it. And we've all, we know that fat isn't nearly as bad as it's been, it's been demonized. But so it's really those two things. It's, 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 it's roasted and crushed peanuts with their oil and a little bit of salt. But for me, that salt and then the added sweetener, which is almost invariably sugar, uh, is what makes it so good, peanut butter in general. Good peanut butter. Do so. Either of the sort of um, earthy, crunchy versions of it do you that you get? Um, do you ever open it after a day or so, and there's like a layer of oil on top? A little bit. That generally means that there is again no homogenization agent there, and it's not bad. It just it's you just gotta separate. You gotta just stir it up again. The, the emulsification is broke broke broken down. So to back to your point about how to make it. So if you're making it at home, which I highly encourage you to do because it's so easy to make. Really? You just, yeah. If you guys go and and like, especially when you have Whole Foods where you can just like, they have the like the vending machines of nuts. Like you just pull out the thing and it loads up your, your hopper of um, your plastic bag. <clears throat> um, and you can do it with any nut that you want. I mean, the fact that basically tahini is, is uh, sesame sesame seeds, uh, not, uh, peanut butter. So if you went and just bought like a bag of roasted peanuts uh, and tried to make peanut butter, you're not going to be able to do it unless you add oil because they've done the roasting product uh, part Uh and the oil has been wicked away. So what you would do is you would just get shelled roasted peanuts, throw them in a blender, pulse them, run them until it's almost like the consistency of like clotted dirt. And then you would add a little bit of honey. So honey, I've done, I know people who've done honey instead of sugar, because just we've talked about it on a honey episode, it's just a better sugar in a lot of things. And then slowly pour in peanut oil um, and then that will, and a little bit of salt as well. And that will make your peanut butter. Uh, store it in the fridge in an airtight container and it'll last you you know, a couple of weeks, but I have seen Alton Brown do a version of this where he gets um, unroasted uh, peanuts and then throws them into a wok and then just fires them up in the wok for 10 minutes until they turn brown. And they, you know, they come out with so much oil that you already have the oil there to make your peanut butter. And just because he was doing it at a wok, he threw in some, some chili oil to make it, you know, more like a Southeast Asian version. Wow. That's so, yeah. good. Make it at home. So, um, my my, as I mentioned, my brand is Skippy. Do you know where Skippy is made? It's the Hershey Company, isn't it? No, it's not. It's uh, it's not. It's owned by Hormel, who does the meats. Ham. Yeah, they they yeah, they make spam. Um, but it is made in Little Rock, Arkansas. There's only two factories: Little Rock, Arkansas, and can you guess where the other one is? Is it in the U.S.? No. Germany, UK, no. Shandong Province, China. Uh, of course. Yes. It is the best-selling brand of peanut butter in China and is the in second only in popularity in, well, in terms of sales to Jif, which I don't like because it sounds like a bathroom. Yeah. Do the Chinese eat, eat peanut butter as we do or do they use it more in a savory sort of way? That's the question I had too. And it turns out it's both. They use it in the same sweet applications that we do. Um you know, you go to a mall or a street food place and you'll get, 
you know, a, 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 a waffle or a, or a Chinese style crepe with, with peanut butter in it. But then also it's the base of so many wonderful sauces, like a hack saute sauce, which is what I make. I just use crunchy peanut butter. I use orange juice, sesame oil, a little bit of um, this wonderful scallion and shellfish chili paste. And then I've got my hack saute sauce. So they use it, the sweet application, they use it, the savory application and everything in between. So the U.S. is the third largest producer of peanuts in the world. Any guesses on what the first two are? Hmm. India? Well, yes, that's one of them. I thought you were going to take the other guess. And you already said the other one. Brazil? China? Nope. China. China. China and India produce more uh, peanuts than the U.S., but of the uh, U.S.'s production, 50% of it goes to make peanut butter. Uh, well, goes to make, sorry, not, not make peanut butter, goes to be consumed as a peanut product, whilst uh, the majority of India and China's uh, production goes to make oil. So they basically make it, export it to the U.S., we make it into peanut butter and turn it back. Isn't peanut oil a big, uh, the, the, one of the favorite deep frying oils? Yeah, because it's um, completely uh, flavor neutral if it's done if it's refined right, and it has one of the highest smoke points of any any mass produced oil that you can find as well. Yeah, I remember. I think it's what McDonald's use, or at least they did for a long, long time. Yeah, and then, and then they made a, a big announcement about what they were going to use when the whole polyunsaturated fat mono you know conversation started happening. Hmm. I don't know well, what they use now. I think it's country by country. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly, exactly. Well, I think. Um, I can I can see why it's so – now that you've kind of contextualized it with those stats, I can see why it's uh, one of the most popular flavors in the world. You know, And I, I mentioned you know, my hack saute sauce, and it is the base of a lot of savory sauces just as much as it is a sweet application. But do you will have any um, particular applications outside of betwixt two slices of bread? Yes. Uh, I am – I. They're just I, removing the body now. <laughs> the the exactly the perfect combination or usage of peanut butter was uh basically invented by a man in the u.s and it's the peanut butter cup that for me is just how i want my how i want my peanut butter i want it drunk is that chocolate. peanut butter though what is that peanut butter well like you can a Reese, like a reese's pieces you mean yeah no no, no reese's peanut butter cup is okay. peanut butter because you can buy the, the Reese's peanut butter in stores these days. Not that I would use that for like, because it's super amounts of sugar in there. But I do really enjoy um, peanut butter in 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 sweet applications. That's for me the the best thing. Yeah, I agree. I've had some amazing desserts uh, with peanut butter in them. So I've had a incredible peanut butter cheesecake. It's amazing uh, in French toast done well. Or in between waffles, mm-hmm. they're really good. But I think, but I think the winner is a savory application, and for me, it's the old classic ants on a log. Ah. What the hell is ants? You know what that is, Will? Well, you no. I don't, we're from the same family, so I don't really understand how I'm saying this. But you had a f- messed up childhood if you don't know what ants on a log are. I, I, you wouldn't, you probably wouldn't find too many European listeners that know what it is. But let me try and describe it. And Alex, correct me if I get it wrong. But it's <laughs> a piece of celery cut, maybe four or five inches long, uh, filled with peanut butter and uh, raisins on top and on a log. Yeah. So it's amazing. The first time I gave my boys those, they thought I was lit- Jesus Christ. Like it was the, <laughs> it was the best thing they'd ever had in their lives. And I, you're right. It's, it's the salty, it's the salty and sweet peanut butter. It's the dull and innocuous, but crunchy celery and the sweet raisins. I totally didn't even think about that. Well, to quote my messiah, Alton Brown, raisins are always <laughs> optional. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not a raisin guy. Just never, never, never really got into it. They, it works so well. Everybody listening, go and make Anton a log right now. We'll wait for you. We'll just, <laughs> it doesn't take long. It's a, it is the perfect snack. It's if you're on a, a diet or you're watching what you weigh, you eat in between meals, it's perfect because celery is basically calorically inert. Peanut butter is full of protein. Uh, and raisins are there's like four of them, so it doesn't really matter. But they're they're that's a really good one. I hadn't even thought about that. Andrew, I thought you were going to say that your favorite application was the Elvis Presley. What's that? So it's the sa- it's a it's a sandwich with peanut butter, jelly, bacon, and deep fried uh, bananas. 
Is that the one that he was eating on the toilet when he when he croaked? <laughs> oh, that was a that was, that was a cheeseburger, I think. But maybe he, I think he had a lot to eat. One led to the other. Uh, his okay. he he ate so many of those sandwiches that uh, he had to go to the bathroom a lot. So it was just a numbers game. <laughs> so 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 I just wanted to talk about peanut butter cups for a second, and that whole trope. Actually, it's not a trope. It's just a global iconic trend, isn't it? bit more than a trope two, two things about i've never i never liked or at least i thought i never liked peanut butter and chocolate i was just like eh, there's too many things going on here until i was like in my 20s and my wife whose favorite confectionery is anything basically peanut butter and chocolate was like just eat it i was like oh butterfinger gross 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 and i tried one i was like oh that's, that's just gross give me more <laughs> give me more now and now i can't get enough of it because i'm right but here's the thing reese's peanut butter cups have polyglycerol polyricinoleate in them Love which that. is which is yeah i thought you might <laughs> <laughs> which is uh used as a replacement for cocoa butter and the fda have said it's safe for humans that's never a good start as long as you restrict your intake not a, never a good thing to follow up with to 7.5 milligrams per kilogram of body weight now it's quite a lot if you think about how much of a, you know a syringe of of milligrams is or, or weight of milligrams, it's not it's not a lot, but we don't weigh one kilo. But if you eat quite a few Reese's peanut butter cups, there's a good chance you'll be you'll be peeing blood. Um, so is that is that the, in the chocolate or in the peanut butter? I don't know because because um, Mr. Mr. Reese's was part of the the Hershey's movement, and Hershey's chocolate is just terrible, absolute garbage. So. Let me back up and say chocolate with peanut butter inside it in a cup form is amazing. You can make versions of Reese's peanut butter cups without having all the whatever the hell you just talked about in it. Did you know they make a half pound version of the Reese's peanut butter cup? I've seen it. I've never 226 grams. Oh my God. Yep. <laughs> that is my Everest. <laughs> yep. There you go. There you go. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, only available in Canada apparently. Those crafty Canadians. Um, but the thing about the chocolate and the peanut butter is interesting. I actually read a couple articles about why it is one of the most popular flavor combinations on planet Earth. Um, the, the Inkers were doing it, I mean, forever because they had both peanuts and cacao back then. Obviously, it wasn't the sweet version, but, you know, they had the options. But it's a combination of taste, smell, and texture. Um, it's the juxtaposition of the smooth, melting chocolate and the crunchy, sort of savory, sweet uh, saltiness of the peanut butter and it led to this thing that i went down a rabbit hole on uh any guesses what the ice cream effect may be uh, referring to in food no no andrew any guesses the ice cream effect the is ice it ice cream, cream headache or something nope it's a pleasurable thing um uh you can't stop eating them well yes kind of it's like you may have had a massively indulgent meal with everything under the uh, sun on your plate, but there's always room for ice cream. And uh, there's the joke that you have a dessert stomach, and it's not necessarily that far from the truth. It is a psychological thing that it is such a break from everything that you've eat, uh, been eating that it's so texturally different and temperaturally different, temperaturally is not a word, whatever, uh, different from whatever you've been eating, that your stomach and your mind just don't cat, like you always have room for ice cream because it's so, it's like an aperitif to the meal. And so the, the, the peanut butter and chocolate is the same thing. It's just like the, the combination, your body just craves it because it's so different to what you've been eating in the Western hemisphere, in the Eastern hemisphere, in China and places like that, where flavor profiles are as equally as important as temperature and, um, and, uh, texture contrasts. That's why we have things like chicken's feet and jellyfish. Uh, they get their balance within their meal, and that's why this concept doesn't really exist in in Asian cooking. It's mainly a Western thing. Well, they structure it's, their meals differently as well, don't they? they don't exactly, have beginning, middle, and end like we do. They have, you know, the the sort of for what we call family style, where there's a bunch of dishes, and they, as you say, tick a lot of those boxes all at the same time, as opposed to having to structure them, which is a much more sensible way of doing it their way. If you if you think about it, yeah. Yeah, what about question. you? Did you answer yours? What were your favorite favorite application of, of peanut butter was, Alex? Just, um, straight out of the can <laughs> or jar. I, I'm with Andrew. I think um, I like it on on a, on a decent piece of toast 
I, I actually, I don't, I, in its purest form of it, I just need some kind of, as as you say, well, delivery vector. Yes. Um, well, a, 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 a um, toast or sandwich, and this is why potentially the peanut butter sandwich uh, and peanut butter and jelly sandwich are so important, is that while peanut butter is high in protein, it lack, it's not a complete protein, and it needs to be paired with something like wheat to actually become a complete protein. So peanut butter and sandwiches is a complete protein, and, and that's why... Well, they said that like an average child will eat fifteen hundred peanut butter sandwiches before they they hit um they mature out of out of out of adolescence. I think and we no, need to clarify that American child. Yeah, and and not to not to you know Andrew, I'm glad you're here, but I I had a thought that that the guest might have been one of your children, uh, and I was fully expecting to ask them how many peanut butter sandwiches they had had this week. Yeah, no, they um they they if you can hear me rustling, it's because I can't stop eating this tablet, this tablet, and I feel like I need to like pull my teeth out and clean them it just coats your teeth with some you know veneer that's hilarious. but it's really good um my kids both love peanut butter um we go through a ton of it we our nearest costco is an hour away and i drive there just to get the family size tubs of skippy because i can't I, the ones they sell in the supermarket here are tiny and i just haven't found the same the same flavors and textures in in any of the locally available. It doesn't mean they're bad or good. I just don't like them as nearly as much as Skippy because I think it's sort of that that holy grail. And once you you've tried it, you're you're boned. You're going to be driving to Costco. <laughs> I do want you to try and make your own. I want to see if you if you like what you make, especially if you're going to do like uh, completely from scratch, where you're going to walk fry the the, the peanuts. Uh, next time you do like a saute like a saute or a um, or a stir fry where you can control every aspect of it because you can make the peanut butter however you want. You could add fish oil to it and make it funky. You could add chili oil into it, uh, which you kind of, I don't know, with the skippies, the sugar might not be the right thing to do there. Yeah, I definitely want to try it. But I think the most important question is, do you guys like PB&J? Nope. Sorry. Uh, I'll, take it, I'll take it or leave it. I'm, uh... Isn't it? I'm the same way. My my sons both love it, especially my my middle son Jack. He, he he'll he'll take it on rice cakes as a sandwich, toasted or untoasted. He absolutely loves it. I we never had it as kid. I don't think did we? No, because really? mom was allergic to fruit, and therefore and our jelly. parents are British, so that's kind of a foreign yeah. concept. Yeah, but it's it's jam was never something in the house. Yeah, I mean for the clarification of our of our transatlantic listeners, peanut butter it's it's jam. Well, it's jelly. In, go back and listen to our J episode. I, I yeah. can't be bothered to explain. Nine tons of ten is grape jelly. <laughs> grape, grape jam. Jelly. Well. Yes, I know. I know. <laughs> go back and listen go to the J episode. Go back and listen to the J episode. But the, it, it just comes down to the to the sweet and the savor and the salty coming, you know, coming together with Will's delivery vectors. But uh, yeah, I just like it in its purest form. But I do appreciate it just about any application. I also think it's one of those things where if I don't have Skippy, probably won't eat it really yeah i think you can get some good stuff in the supermarket that is it's not quite up there with skippy but well it depends what you're after really but it's not that i won't i'll turn i just simply won't eat it but if it's like if i'm at a restaurant buffet which doesn't happen very often or a hotel buffet and there's peanut butter and it's not skippy i'm probably just going to be like no i'll find something else to have with my bread thank you very much it's interesting. I think peanuts a bit like we're praising it and thinking it's so great, but it is a bit like corn uh, that it is in everything, just the peanut itself. And was it 11 million uh, Americans are have a severe peanut um, allergy? And they think that it's because of the fact that peanuts are everywhere. And some people almost like jokingly blame um, George Washington Carver because he used he came up with so many applications for it that were allergists think were allergists think we're overexposed to it, and that's what's caused the peanut allergy. Well, did you see that they they think they've cracked this um, that a way to drastically reduce this very this bizarrely extreme or violent allergic reaction is um, to expose babies to it at a very young age. So they'll rub peanut dust on the lips and gums of, of infants, of, of kids smaller, younger than probably Andrew, your son's age, um, just to get them exposed to it. And that seems to have cracked it. Isn't this also why like Israel has one of the lowest um, uh, peanut allergies in the world? It's because of this product Bomba because they all have that at a very, very young age and that's made from peanuts. And oh, we'll so- see. There you go. 
I mean, it's probably anecdotal, but it works, right? Yeah, that may be anecdotal or just some sort of weird propaganda. But uh, I think I have heard the research that you're talking about. Um, the one I just mentioned might be a bit more spurious. So one one final thing uh, that I want to talk about before we move on is what do you think about the faux peanut butter you mean nut the, butters? Nut butters? Hate it. Yeah, it's a. I think it's a. Well, my opinion, it's a bit of a fad. Um, you see, it's very hot right now in the UK. You even see a lot of these companies crowdfunding. There's one called Pippin Nut, I think, that uh, raised some money, and they do cashew butters and all sorts of unusual nuts. I think it's okay every now and again, something different, but it's not the staple that peanut butter is, and I don't, I don't see it being replaced by any of these uh, these new new things. I think it's one of those things where we've had peanut butter for 118 years and not those other things for a reason. <laughs> yeah. From, from what I understand, the only one that kind of, kind of comes – like I got no problem with nut butters and like legitimate nut butters because peanut butter is not. And to say nut butter, I feel like I'm having flashbacks. You guys <laughs> Wayne's World. It sounds like an insult, doesn't it? It does. I feel like it's <laughs> like you guys butter. yelling at me. That. Um, yeah. But – I, there are like you know like we said tahini and there are other versions of nut butters that are used in other um cultures cooking that are not trying to replace peanut butter the only one that has had any sort of okay maybe this not as not, not as a challenger to the throne but like as a viable option is almond butter um you find that almost as frequently as you find uh peanut butter in the u.s these days cashew butter not so much you know um the other ones I couldn't I, like macadamia butter. I can't even think about something. Yeah, no, go, no, piss off. the 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 thing about almond butter is almonds are expensive because they are very difficult to make and incredibly resource, especially water con, um, intensive. They 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 require a staggering amount of water to to produce, which is why during the the California drought that lasted about five years up until eighteen months ago. Prices of almonds went through the roof. Cashews are expensive to begin with, and there's a global shortage of cashews. So unless you want to pay like 11 quid a bottle of pretty disappointing peanut butter substitute just because you don't hate yourself enough to eat a half a jar of Skippy in front of reruns of Friends, then why bother? Well, uh, this is the thing, like not to get on my high horse, but like if you don't eat peanut butter, you're peanut butter, you're not an eco warrior. Like if you're eating the other ones, like all these people, are like oh, well, I eat it because my child is, you know, all the all the substitutes that I hear about, or all the sort of fads I hear about, often come from the people that are like, well, you're destroying the world because you're doing this, this, this. A lot of these other substitutes are far worse, as you just mentioned, for uh, to to produce yield as they uh, as something like peanuts are. Yes, they're growing them all over the world in high volumes, but it takes less to make more than so on and so forth. True, I think I think some are some are doing the right thing as well, though. Right, it's a lot a lot a lot of the ones out there just to play devil's advocate. Are, you know, they don't include refined sugars. They don't include palm oil. They don't. You know, they are very natural, very healthy, and uh, responsibly produced. Damn, Andrew coming here with his balanced views. But they, but they, but they it's not Radio 4, Andrew. Like Calm down. Yeah, I know. But they, they tend to taste like feet as well. So I, I just well, stay clear of them. But the palm oil one is a big deal. Yeah. yeah. If you see what the devastation that's that's wrought by the industrial harvesting of of palm for palm oil production, you would never eat anything um, that contained palm oil again. And I th I think the consumables, consu no, that makes it sound like something you made out of marijuana. Um, the, the you know the things that we we produce that contain palm oil in them are, are few and far between. But look on the back of of whatever nut oil it is you're eating for for better or worse. And if it's got palm oil, don't buy it. Don't buy it. It's it's horrendous stuff. Speaking of which, um, you can Google make, it. You'll, uh, you'll... You, you can make can of butter. Just looked it up. Can you? I was going to say, yeah, combining marijuana with peanut butter, that you sort of satisfy the munchies while you're getting high. And getting the um, munchies. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful – that's yeah. worth that's worth crowdfunding. Yeah, yeah. we just invented <laughs> the first ever perpetual munchie machine. <laughs> patent pending, patent pending, patent pending. That is a billion-dollar idea. <laughs> 
Well, and, uh, I'll be right back. I'm gonna, <laughs> um, Trust me, I'm, I'm, I'm in the state that it, I can do a lot of that in now. And I'm flying on uh, tomorrow morning. Actually, I'm flying to Colorado, which is the uh, bastion of all things marijuana as well. So I'll yeah. see if anyone's done it. I'll, I'll see if do some do some, uh, you know, some cursory investments. Probably taste like ass. That would be the only everything with marijuana tastes like ass. You would need to figure out a way to to make it not taste like the art teacher's closet you know um, <laughs> it smells so. like otto's jacket <laughs> uh good thank you for working in the simpsons reference there well no uh so before we close out anything more to add about peanut butter any any ideas tips um anecdotes favorite the, stories the only thing i wanted to add after you mentioned you know the greatness of peanut butter with dogs uh is do you know what i'm not going to pronounce this right Archidiphobia is. Uh, is that the panic I get when I don't have any Skippy in the closet? No, it's the fear of peanut butter getting stuck to the roof of your mouth. It's a very <laughs> the fear odd... of it. Yeah, you get stuck there, and people think that they're going to choke or something. But it just reminds me of dogs because they constantly have to like lick, lick, lick. Isn't lick. that how they made Mister Ed talk? Yes, they did. They put um, peanut butter on his gums and yeah. made his lips move. Is this an urban myth or not? Uh, I can remember it being tried when we were kids, but if you get chewing gum stuck in your hair, peanut butter can get it out? Oh, yeah. The oil was supposed to release it, isn't it? Yeah. I'm sure there's more effective ways now that we have science, but I think um, that was definitely the go-to there's, method, wasn't it? There's also a great Simpsons episode. I think it's 22 short films around Springfield was the episode uh, when Lisa gets gum thrown in her hair. Yeah. And she just like gets, they put peanut butter, it doesn't work. They put mayonnaise, it doesn't work. And she just like walks out. She's like, she's like, Ugh, I smell like a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Yes, that's a good one. I forgot about that. So there we are, peanut butter. If you have any favorite, pe- if you don't like peanut butter, we don't want to hear from you. But if you have um, any favorite brands, any favorite types, perhaps something we've overlooked. If you found a nut butter that, that satisfies that peanut butter craving, hit us up on at Mastication NTN on Twitter and and let us know. We hope to get back to like a more chronologically time don't, to don't, hour. Don't jinx us. <laughs> don't jinx us. Because I'm leaving the country for a month in a few weeks. So well, that's just not going to happen. Um, I'll take take your equipment with us. Otherwise, I'm going to get Andrew to step in. And, I'm Andrew, going what are, you, what, are you, what are some of your favorite uh, uh, upcoming letters that we can do? So. You guys can do Q. Have fun with that one. Q. What have you got? Qu- uh, quince? Quiche? Quinoa? Quiche. Cut, uh... Kumquat is that with a Q? Quail. Quail. Uh, okay, no, that that that, that should be fine. Quiche is the good one. Quinoa. Quinoa. No. <laughs> I eat a lot of quinoa. Thank you. Very it's much. Aztec peasant food. <laughs> it's a super like it rain. It's a super but quiche. Rain. Quiche is a good one. You guys should tackle quiche. Um, Will, you'll have to learn how to edit, but that's, that'll be fine. Um, there's one thing, I, I, Andrew, I wanted to ask you uh, about this, just because I'm curious, and we've mentioned it, I think, a couple of times in the podcast before as a point of sort of slightly morbid curiosity, you, you had a stem cell transplant. We've talked about that in the past, but I'm, I've always wanted to know if it's changed your palate or your, your, your gutty works or your preference or taste profile or allergies or anything like that, or is that just not really how it works? Uh, it, it certainly can. So there's, there's with a stem cell transplant, there's two things at play. You're given huge amounts of chemotherapy, which can uh, alter your palate anyway. Uh, but then the second piece is you're given someone else's immune system, the sort of building blocks of uh, who they are. And certain things can be inherited. I don't think, uh, I don't think tastes can, but certain genetic disposition. Well, your, your blood type changed, right? Yeah. So I, I, I was uh, AB positive. Uh, before my transplant and now O negative. That's weird. It is really weird. Yeah, <laughs> I, just, I don't even like thinking about it. So after after these uh, processes, you can um, you hear a lot of stories, and the doctors prepared me for losing my taste altogether. Oh wow! Um, some people can't even drink water uh, because it just tastes metallic and horrible, and they have to put an orange cordial or something in with it. But um, I was very lucky. My taste uh, is pretty much the same as it was. Uh, before I had cancer and um, and I can still eat most of the food uh, that I enjoyed before. So I think in the wake of the transplant, I had to really stick to food that I enjoyed when I was five. So really bland, carby, sugary stuff. Well, and what I was the reason had, for that? Uh, just because um, uh, really spicy stuff. 
or just strong flavors would just not agree with me uh, generally i wouldn't enjoy the taste of them uh and my body would just be like yeah what are you what are you putting inside me yeah so it's the ants and the log revival yeah exactly so um so i count myself lucky because other people lose their taste completely and they can't enjoy things like peanut butter but i'm all good and uh i can enjoy most of the food that i did wow. uh before that's amazing. Um, and just while we've got everybody, and we've mentioned this in the past, if you want to help out, go to anthonynolan.org or in the US, it's Be The Match, right, Andrew? Be The Match. That's right. Yeah, Be The Match.org. Sign up to be a stem cell donor. It doesn't. You don't have to do anything other than spit in a tube that they mail to you. If you've done one of those DNA tests, it's exactly the same thing, but you, you could literally save someone's life. So anthonynolan.org or be the match.org. Please do it. Don't be like me and pass out. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll post the footage of that on the Mastication Nation Twitter account because it was it was glorious. Um, I, so I I don't just before we end on that on that topic and, and wrap up here, I, I was I did actually wonder if it was like when when one is pregnant, not when you're pregnant, because that would be amazing if you could do that after a stem cell transplant. But <laughs> um, my wife's palate changed dramatically in all three pregnancies. She used to hate coffee. Um, before all, all the way up until she was pregnant the first time now she absolutely loves it and she didn't have any of the weird cravings but before and after her palate changed noticeably and permanently um after each pregnancy and i was uh, i'm i wondered if that was similar to your pro- process it sounds like some people have that but just not not you in your case yeah i think big big events for the body means means changes inside you and yeah i've certainly i've seen it with with my wife as well um certainly craved things primarily gherkins and pickles uh while she was that's pregnant. funny and uh, but now she can't eat them now she's the, the thought of eating a gherkin just re- repulses her that's so amazing. weird i wonder how much of it is is psychological physiological hormonal it's it's really interesting to me but thank you for uh enlightening us that i had no idea about the blood thing and you're my brother so that's a, <laughs> that's pretty funny but Thank you for sharing that. Again, anthonynolan.org, be the match.org. Go and, go and do it today, guys. Andrew, thank you for joining us today. I've enjoyed it. This was fun. We'll definitely have you back. Uh, well, you sound like you're going to come back to do Q because I just won't be in, uh, in the country. Um, we will put this episode up first and then our next P episode, which is fun. We did have a great guest. That'll be a lot of, uh, a lot of fun to listen to as well. So we will see you back at Q. And guys, until next time, Will. I promise I won't have people trying to murder me in my podcast next time. And also, eat well. Eat well.